We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Welcome back, our beautiful Dateable fam. It's so nice to have you here with us listening to the latest episode about fuckboys. Yes, but there's a different spin on it because we've done a thousand episodes about fuckboys. Or if you haven't heard it on this podcast, it's pretty much all over the internet, right? But we wanted to get into the psyche of a reformed accidental, he said, didn't realize mm-hmm. it fully, but someone that admits to being a fuckboy, whether that was intentional, accidental, he fully admits he got there and how he came out of it. And what caused him to be this way? There's always so much more to the story that we don't ever know by just looking at things at the surface level. When Julie and I finished this episode, we both texted each other and we're like, that was fascinating. Yes. I had no idea. There were so many layers. And every fuckboy is different, of course. Our guest today, Martin, has his side of the story. But it just shows you we are all humans going through a human experience. When someone does something wrong to you, we think it's like directed solely towards us. But I think this interview will help us peel back the layers of someone not behaving in the most proper, respectful way, but you'll get into sense of why they are acting that way. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the person they're dating. It's a lot to do with what's going on on the inside. Yeah, I'd say more times than not, it usually doesn't have to do with the person they're dating. There's usually yeah. patterns, history. And while we're not excusing fuckboy behaviors, and again, for all intents and purposes, fuckboy is referring to anyone of any gender. It doesn't necessarily have to be male identifying. This sure. is like the universal you're fucking around, you know, someone is getting hurt in the process, whether you're in a relationship or you're in an undefined relationship. I think fuckboys can prevail in both circumstances. If there's someone at the end of the the other end that feels, you know, misled Mm -hmm. and, you know, they've been kind of doing their thing just because it's feeding their own ego and not necessarily caring about the 
roadkill, as we like to call it, the people that get hurt in the process. And we're not necessarily justifying fuckboys, but I think this does show how much deeper it goes. And we're all affected by just like the stories that we've been told about love and our influences and all the different things that contribute to how we view relationships and dating that may be healthy or they may not be in the slightest. Some of it, it's our upbringing. Some of it is the examples of love that we have in our lives. And they all contribute to how we act. But when it comes to bad dating behavior, it really shows that it just means a lot of people don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. They don't know what brings them joy or happiness. So they fuck around thinking that's what's going to bring them happiness. You know, at the end of the day, plot twist. It doesn't. (laughs) None of this brings you happiness. So it's good to get someone who's come out on the other side to tell their story. And we are so grateful to have found Martin because he's been so introspective and he's so self-aware of the transformation Mm -hmm. that he's been through. Yeah. And, you know, our question is like, can people change? Mm -hmm. And I really do believe people can change, but I think they need to want the change. You can't make someone change. Like if you're dating someone, you're like, stop being a fuck boy. That's never going to happen. They need to come to terms with that on their own of how it's damaging and detrimental to relationships. Yeah. And if you've been on the receiving end of a fuck boy or fuck girl, I'm sure you've had the thought of, don't they know how good I am for them? Don't you... Don't they know how much better their life is with me around? They're a much better person with me around. Sure, that may be true, but if they don't choose to see it, or even if they choose to see it, they don't act on it, they don't appreciate it, that doesn't do you any good. You know, you can just rest with that idea. Sure, that may be true. That person is not acting on on it so who cares like it doesn't matter at that point yeah and i think we can also change who we are attracted to like we were talking about with evan Katz. it's not that you attract fuck boys you accept fuck boys and I'm actually going to Mexico with my partner, super excited, Yay. but we're going to visit one of my best friends who's been living there for a year with her partner. And I actually mentioned her on the podcast episode we did with Nikki Novo, mm-hmm. because she told me like recently, she didn't tell me at the time, but she told me recently that she had one of those moments of like, please, I don't want to be with any more fuck boys. I don't want to mm. be with the guys that party and hook up with tons of girls. Like I've been there, done that. Like, I don't want that. I just want a good guy. And then she met her partner shortly after. Mm. So I think sometimes, too, it's we don't have to accept that as our fate, but rather we can change our type. We could change the type of people that we're looking for, too. So both sides of the spectrum change is possible. That's so true, because it's about what kind of behavior you allow into your life. Yeah. So if you feel like you're always attracting fuck boys or fuck girls, well, you're allowing that behavior to happen. You can also choose not to go with that type. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're always aware, like we heard in this episode and your instance too, UA, it's like Mm -hmm. you didn't think that's what was going on. So sometimes you don't know and you have to just make choices and act accordingly once that information is given to you. So it's not always so obvious, but I think ultimately you eventually will find out whatever it is. And then you have the choice to make a change. Yeah. So you are in control. Uh, I want to know what is on the docket for Mexico? Are you guys doing like a 
double date vacation type of thing? You know, we're staying at the Airbnb that basically where they live. So it's in the same building. So that will be super mm. convenient. And it's in Puerto Vallarta. That's where we're going. And really excited. I think initially my partner and I were trying to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. And then we just couldn't get shit together. And just this was a very, it was a much easier trip. It's a three hour flight. Yep. You don't have to plan. We did want to go down there and meet her partner. See her, obviously. She comes back from time to time. So it's not like I haven't seen her. But still. Like, you know, it it would be fun to do it. And we don't know how long they'll be there. So we might as well take advantage. You were able to meet them actually when you were down there. Yeah. In Mexico. So you've already been there. Yeah. But we figured this was a good opportunity. And we're going to Puerto Vallarta. And then we're going to Punta Mita. So we're Mm -hmm. gonna go with them and stay at like an all inclusive for a couple nights. So we'll have a kind of a mix of, you know, just, I guess, being there doing our thing not too much planned we've got some restaurants we get some we want to go snorkeling at some point just obviously just be in the beach like we're actually excited that we don't have a lot of stuff planned because we just want to chill yeah and mexico is a perfect place to do that have you ever done a double date vacation before not to this extent like i've gone on a weekend trip with my friend and her partner my partner but we went to like st louis obispo but not like i guess this is like kind of different too because we're not like all traveling together yeah you know what i mean like we're not like boarding a flight as two couples like we're going to them um so yeah this is the first time it's funny because my partner and i were talking about like would we want to do that we're like i don't know (laughs) maybe like a date like a weekend local trip is probably enough not sure if we want to do like a full-blown trip of like going to like france or something with another couple but i don't know it could be fun in certain ways have you done that no i can totally see how stressful that could be it's like already hard enough to account for one (laughs) other person to account for a group of people and then everybody wants to do their own thing even this greece trip i was supposed to meet up with a couple friend of mine they're doing like the whole yacht thing timing didn't work out but in hindsight i was like i've actually never done that i don't know if i would enjoy doing that i want to do my own things and sure it's great to like get together for a dinner at night and for food for drinks but to spend a lot of time with another couple i don't know i don't know if i can but then it gets really awkward too if like both couples need to be on the same page because like if one couple's expecting that we're going to be spending like every hour together the other's Mm. like we'll see you for dinner that's really freaking awkward also i feel like just traveling in general like past three people is hard Mm -hmm. like i remember you know going to a trip to thailand and there were it was an extended group and it just got really difficult that was a stressful trip oh my god i feel like they were part of that trip when we were in vietnam and singapore and there were three of us and i was like this is definitely the max it's so much easier yeah what is nice about traveling with another couple is that maybe you and your girlfriend want to go off and do something yeah boys can hang back and do their own thing. So you don't feel like you have to spend every moment with your partner either. You can like pursue your other interests too. That's only if you do have someone who is on the same page as you do. (laughs) 
I think it comes back to like expectations. Like, is this your one like romantic trip away? And I think this one will work out well for us because like they're there anyways, they're living their lives. And hopefully I'm saying that like, hopefully we'll be on the same page of expectations. But we're totally cool. If they want to not do dinner one night with us, we can just go off on our own or even in the day, like we're not expecting them to drop everything to hang out with us. That being said, of course, if they want to, wonderful. So yeah, I'll let you know after how it goes with it more. But I I can see pros and cons for sure. But yeah, all about expectations. And your partners hung out with her a few times now. You have not hung out with her partner. a lot. Yes. So he is like, this is a a huge deal for him because this is the first time he's hanging out with you all for an extended amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all of us. It's just a different dynamic too. Yeah. I think that works out well as my partner and her know each other very, very well. Debatably even more than you know my partner Mm -hmm. just because of like location for a lot of it. But you did spend like a week together. So maybe you do know each other pretty well. Oh, yeah. In Austin. We kind of did a couple's trip, UA. Oh, that's true. We kind of did. We kind of did. But we, yeah. We shared an Airbnb with two couples. It was hard because it was at South by Southwest. It didn't feel like that. But, and we didn't travel together. But, yeah. So, anyways, he knows her really well. So, I think that part will make it easier. But, of course, yeah, we'll see how the whole dynamic, what I've heard from a lot of people, he's he's super chill and easygoing. So, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, he's a good guy. Dateable approved. Or half of dateable approved, then I'll we'll get your <laughs> approval. <laughs> half a dateable approved. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as he's not a fuck boy, that's that's the that's the bare minimum here. <sighs> yeah. Low bar. <laughs> or here. reform fuck boy. As long as they've learned from their mistakes. <laughs> Won't hold people's past fully against them. It's a good question though. Like, okay, I'm I'm saying this, I'm not giving away love is blind, I promise. But mm. there was one part where someone reveals I think I know you're talking about. She cheated. Yes. Like two years ago. Yes. And the guy kind of freaks out a little. Yes. I don't know. I was going back and forth on it because I'm like, I, I get how it would be jarring because it's just, yes. it's one of those things you hear. And of course, you're like, oh, if they did it to someone else, will they do it to me? But also, it doesn't give them any grace of what they've learned from it. So I'm curious, yeah. you know, especially coming out of your situation, if you went on a date hypothetically with someone, they were like, okay, I did cheat on a past partner. I've learned X, Y. Y and Z. I have made these changes. I'm never going to do this again. How would you react to that? Yeah, I think that is exactly what I would want someone to say if they've learned from it. If someone's like, biggest mistake of my life, I was so ashamed. I now have worked through it. I would never hurt someone like that again. That to me shows growth. But I also think someone who hasn't really processed it wouldn't even bring it up. They probably wouldn't even disclose that they've cheated, right? I think about my ex. If he went on a few dates right now and they were like, oh, what's your reason for your last breakup? He's not going to be like, I cheat on her. No. He's going to be like, oh, it just didn't work out. We were on a different page. The fact that she brought it up already shows that she's at least processing it in the process of processing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows a lot of growth. I guess some people are like, I never want to hear about someone's past mistakes, but we've all made mistakes. Like how far back do you go and how how much should that really affect your opinion of someone today? Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for having the 
initial reaction of just because they were kind of talking about like how cheating was a deal breaker for him and then mm-hmm. she asked if she had and she brought it up so i get being taken off guard needing to process i get all that but he did eventually come around and be like yeah. oh i'm really glad you said something you were honest about it and that i mean ultimately if you have done stuff in your past the only way out is to be honest yeah she had the option to not say anything nobody knows anything about her she didn't yeah. have to say that she cheated but obviously no. it was something that she was going through and was processing so i'm glad that she was honest in that way and sometimes like radical honesty is what you kind of need in the beginning of a relationship i would want to know i would definitely yeah. want to know but i also want to know how did you come out of it yep so reform fuck boys <laughs> Be honest. That's the takeaway here. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go into a lot, lot more with Martin. So, but before we do, couple announcements at Dateable Podcast. That's where you find us. That's where we are all over the internet. Please leave us a rating and review. We're almost at that thousand. Please help yes. us out. It means so much. Really helps us out. If you're a Dateable fan, Hopefully you are if you've made it this far. (laughs) Please leave us five stars. If you have feedback, send us an email, you know, or don't listen. One of the two. You know, we can't appeal to everyone and that's okay. So Yeah, if you want to give us anything less than five stars, you can yeah. you don't have to. You can just leave. You don't have to listen to us. No, We're not forcing exactly, you. Exactly. You're not paying anything to be here. This is your own time. Yeah. It's like dating. You go on a lot of dates, not everyone's your cup of tea. That's, that's okay. okay. We have we know that we are some people's lid for every pot, our two favorite sayings. And yep. we know we are that lid and we'll continue to be that lid for those people okay before we get into it let's hear a message from our sponsors this episode is sponsored by via we all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom but did you know a little thc could also do that yes via has developed a unique blend of pleasure enhancing cannabinoids libido strengthening herbs and a low dose of thc all into one mind-blowing gummy called high love This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning dream THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. Okay. Let's hear it from Martin. Fuck boys, mythical creatures uh-huh. that we want to know more about, yet we want to stay far away from. We have one. We caught a live one with us today, but he <laughs> claims to be a reformed fuckboy, which is nice. We had a call out on Instagram for a reformed fuckboy, and Martin responded to a post that a mutual friend forwarded to him. 
And he was very <laughs> courageous in coming forward and saying, I am a reformed fuckboy. I have stories to tell and I'm a changed man. So we're like, fuck yes. yes. Fuck yes to this fuckboy. But the question we want to answer is, can fuckboys really change, right? And can they become relationship material? Can they become the good people that we want to see? So we have, again, a live <laughs> fuckboy with us today. His name is Martin, 35 years old, a comedian who lives in... I'm so glad you're a comedian, by the way. That just makes it so much better. He's a comedian who lives in Burbank, been there for seven years, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, and currently dating someone but haven't defined the relationship. Now, when you wrote in, you described yourself as an accidental fuckboy. Explain. Yeah. So that was actually one of the women that was dating. That's how she described me. She was like, you don't intentionally do fuckboy things. You just end up being a fuckboy because of... <laughs> I think a lot of it is I was trying too hard to please everybody. And in a way, when you mm. want to say yes to everyone, you end up hurting more people instead of just being able to set the boundaries you should set in those moments. And I think that was a big part of mine. For me growing up, I didn't really date a lot. I didn't lose my virginity until I was like a week shy of my 19th birthday. And I think a lot of the people who were influential in my development as a man were guys who cheated or guys who like would kind of tell these stories of fucking around or yeah, look, mm. look who I mm. banged. Why are you having sex? At? You should be having sex, that kind of deal. So there was a lot of pressure put on right. the idea of fuck as many people as you can, but also like you have to get you a good girl and she better not have had sex, like that kind of deal. So so a lot of fuckboys wear like the title fuckboy as a badge of honor. How do you feel about that <laughs> title? Like, is it something that you were proud of, something that you weren't so no, proud of? No, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I don't think it was ever my intention. It was more so just being selfish in a lot of moments. But again, not with the intent of causing harm. Mm. But I think sometimes it was like, oh, this is a good story. Or I might not have this opportunity with this person again. Or I don't want to let this person down. Like there is a friend of mine who had breast cancer. And I was in a relationship at the time. The breast cancer friend was a little bit older. And she wasn't like someone who slept around a lot and didn't get a lot of catches and stuff like that. And she had came to me like, hey, I'm having a double mastectomy. Would you have any interest in like helping the girls see their way out? On one hand, I'm like, I'm in this relationship that yeah. is committed. And I, you know, I do care about this person, but I don't want to turn down my friend. So like situations like that would arise. Oh, my God. Huh. <laughs> well, that's definitely a side of fuckboyism I never thought about. I, <laughs> I guess favors, you're doing yeah. favors. Yeah. <laughs> Fuckboy favors. So according to Urban Dictionary, which is the Bible for our modern day scholar, a fuckboy is a guy who will tell a girl anything to get them to hook up with them, a complete jerk who flirts with multiple girls at a time and makes them all believe they're individually special. They tell a girl they like them and act like they're in love so that they can get something out of it. Someone who should not be trusted and is a reason for a lot of people's trust issues, don't fuck with a fuckboy. That's the whole definition. It's a long definition. According to this definition, yeah. what were some of your fuckboy tendencies that tracks with this definition? I don't think there was a situation where I made people feel special. I did like people who I was like hooking up with. That might be where my accidental fuckboy part comes in mm. because I did genuinely care about these people and like would, but mm. 
I think the issue was I was not in a place to have a relationship with them or I wouldn't really want a relationship. Mm. But instead of just saying that, like, hey, I think it'd be better off if we're just hooking up or whatever. I think I did do the, yeah, maybe instead of just like letting them be free and figure out their own shit without me. So so kind of led them on a bit. I wouldn't say that. Okay. I think it was like The Bachelor, I guess, but where no one knows they're the contestant. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I might commit to a relationship, but I don't know yet because I'm also seeing this person. I see. And also this person is asking me like to come over two o'clock in the morning. So mm. I don't want to fully commit to this, but I do like you, but also like- You yeah. didn't know what you wanted. Exactly. Yeah. You weren't intentionally trying to screw people over. Yeah. That makes sense. So, okay. We're going to talk about your breakup, the two-year relationship that you talked about that was a very public breakup that was cheating. But I want to go, before we go into that, single Martin like what was your life like then were you still like fuck boy tendencies when you were single or was this more just when you were in a relationship my first relationship was like my first everything so I was 18 this is my first girlfriend lost my virginity to her all that stuff I think that I I used to be a big snoop that was my like number one issue mm. oh. yeah so this is like during the myspace era <laughs> mm. so I was staying at her house over the holidays and she left her myspace open and I saw some messages between her and this guy who was a lawyer I, mean, I was like a broke college student who worked at the movie theater so I was already like okay well She's clearly fucking this guy mm -hmm. and he's way better than me and he lives closer. So I think that just put it in my head that like, oh, I can't trust anybody. That kind of deal. Mm. Again, I was 18, so I, I didn't handle it the best because I also didn't want to tell her, hey, I went through your MySpace. Right. So yeah, so I think that was kind of the first thing. And then when we broke up, that's when I first started like sleeping around. We stayed together throughout that. So now I'm 21. So my dad was dying at the time. And he did pass away, but I think I took a lot of that as like, well, everything is bullshit, so nothing really matters kind of deal. And so I had a friend who, she was dating this guy who turned out to be a psychopath, but they were like into swinging in a way. And they went on Craigslist, so it's another kind of dated reference there, <laughs> to find partners that they wanted to like <laughs> do BDSM stuff with. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls who they had reached out to, they're like, well, Martin, you can hook up with her instead. So I reached out to her and then her and I started sleeping together. And then like one day I just was like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? We should hang out. And she goes, why would we do that? And I was like, to get to know each other or like <laughs> whatever, you know, because in my mind at that point, I had only had like relationship sex. So she was the ultimate fuck girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was like, I don't want to <laughs> hang out. That's, that's weird. You just come over here and fuck me. And that's the only type of conversation or relationship we should have. We're friends now, but that definitely was the kind of catalyst for like, oh, OK, I guess that's just something wow. you can do. Craigslist, where you can find friends, people to fuck, and a sofa. It's a great place. Everything you need. Everything that you could possibly want. So you told us that you had a two-year relationship where you cheated on your girlfriend the whole time. And you had a really public breakup where she made your life a living hell, rightfully so, which instigated a change in you. So tell us about this relationship. What were you doing for those two years? So I was 24 five years old, maybe. I was firing on all cylinders, like performance-wise, comedy-wise, career-wise. Mm. With that comes the kind of territory of like, oh, you get a lot more attention than you're used to getting. So I was dating three different girls at the time, her being one of them. And I remember there was one day I was over at her apartment and we were just kind of like 
chit chatting and I go, Oh, have you ever been in love? She goes, well, I think I am now. I was like, ah, shit. So <laughs> oh. in hindsight, I should have said, Hey, I think I need a little bit more time. Cause I'm still kind of in my fuckboy era. But instead I was like, yeah, all right. I guess this is a thing now. So yeah. So I remember the first time that something happened was a mutual friend and I were hanging out and we had discussed the idea of having a threesome and my girlfriend at the time, she was having like a panic attack about something else. I wasn't present. I wasn't there for her because I was with this other girl who was like, I want to fuck right now. So I ended up like sleeping with her, but I didn't tell my girlfriend because again, Uh she was having an anxiety attack about something like unrelated. And so that kind of opened up the floodgates of like, okay, well, I'm going to be thrown these opportunities. And I think as long as I keep them close to the chest, then I should be fine. Then you enter situations where you're having sex with like coworkers or again, mutual friends or people like that. And then at a friend who was visiting from Texas, she had chlamydia, but didn't tell me. And we ended up having sex unprotected. Mm. I ended up getting chlamydia, but I didn't know I had it at the time. I went to go get tested because I was like, something seems a little off. And then they were like, yeah, you have chlamydia. So I got the shot and all that stuff. But I didn't have sex with my girlfriend who then I think was like, okay, it's kind of weird. He's not sleeping with me. Right. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. How many people were in this period? This is over two years, right? Like how many other women were in the mix? I think in total, like 10 to 15, maybe. Okay. But she had no idea this whole time. Yeah. How? Yeah. How did you like live this double life? (laughs) Because I already had a lot of late nights. Oh, Uh yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just already kind of doing a lot of like late nights. It never was like me outwardly pursuing them. It'd be like, Mm -hmm. hey, I really liked your show. Or hey, you know, what are you doing later? Da, 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 that kind of deal. Mm. And how serious were you with your girlfriend? Like, was it like, because, you know, like relationships can be all sorts of levels of seriousness. It was a pretty serious relationship. Like, I loved her. Okay. I did. Okay. I think I just didn't love myself enough to be able to say no. Mm. It was my own insecurities, you know, being young and being someone who hadn't had those opportunities prior. Right. I always felt kind of like ugly or fat or, you know, too nerdy or too dark or whatever. So now I'm getting this attention for the first time and not reacting the way of being like, hey, Mm, babe, you know, this is happening. There were times where I said no, but it's invalidated by how many times I said yeah, sure, or whatever. Well, you knew you could do it, right? Like at the end of the day, like you knew right. you could yeah, have both. Yeah, until I couldn't. Like, did this never cross your mind that you could get caught? It, it did. I think it did. If you rob a bunch of banks, and at first you're really good at robbing banks, after a while you get sloppy because uh-huh. you're like, oh, well, I robbed all these other banks, so maybe it's not on me. You know, that kind of deal. Mm. So you said before you got into this relationship, like you kind of had that awakening of, oh, you can just hook up with people from that other fuck girl or the girl that your friends with still today. How many years like spread was it between like that time to this relationship? And like, were you in other relationships or were you just single in that time? So it was about four years. I was 21 when her and I hooked up. Like while I was 21, I think I had maybe a few other hookups and kind of dated around, but nothing serious. And then when I turned 23, I had like my next real relationship. But the issue there was like her parents were racist and we were trying to do like long distance. And it was always like some form of drama. She cheated on me with her like a brother friend. And that was like the one relationship where I was like, I'm going to be good. And then she cheated on me. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to cheat back. 
instead of just ending it. But I think the one time I tried to end it, it was like an ultimatum kind of deal where she was like, well, if you break up with me, I'm going to fuck this guy who you've been nervous about. Wow. That sounds healthy. Yeah. <laughs> this was probably the unhealthiest relationship I'd been in. Yeah. I guess like with your girlfriend, that once you're in the more serious relationship, like why not just end it? Like I know you were in love with her, but did you ever have that thought of should I just end this and go on my fuckboy ways or should I stop being a fuckboy and fully commit to this? This is going to sound very stupid. My idea was it's just a relationship, so it doesn't matter until we get married. Oh. Oh. And did you think you were going to marry her eventually? At the time, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you were like, let me just get this out of my system. None of this counts until I put a ring on it, yeah. and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. Because like, I guess in my dumb 20s brain, if you have a family, you don't ruin your family. But if it's just a relationship, you can throw that away. Oh. Mm. Did you have like healthy relationships growing up, like examples of them? Or like, where do you think some of these ideas stemmed from? Not really. So I was born in Texas. And one of my earliest childhood memories is of a curly haired blonde woman holding me. And then uh -huh. I remember later finding out that it was this woman who lived in our apartment complex that my dad was cheating with. <gasps> oh, yeah. shit. Wait. Well, yeah, because I mean, like visually, you are not blonde at all. <laughs> no. Yes. So just for any of our listeners, that would just be a stark contrast for sure. The exact opposite of a blonde, curly-haired white woman. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I remember my mom saying like, how like that pissed her off. But they like tried to make it work out still. And then they divorced when I was five. I didn't see a healthy relationship between them. Like, I think they had a lot of bitterness towards each other. Mm -hmm. And then watching my mom kind of go through the gambit of dating and it's like, well, this guy sucks and this guy hasn't come out of the closet yet. And this guy is mm. the one that my mom wanted to marry the most with this lawyer who lived around the corner from us. And he was, I guess, my first example of a fuck boy. But my mom was like in love with this dude. I would remember mm. I was like 11 years old and she would cry. I'd have to like hold her because she's like, why won't he love me? Why oh. Oh. That kind of deal. So I'm seeing this at an early age. And I think that that was also part of my development into what relationships looked like. And there's some like sick, twisted way too that you're also seeing that even though your mom's hurt, you're seeing like, oh, this guy is making a woman fall for him. Like in a weird way, right? It's like this person wants this person, yeah. even though they're treating them horribly. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Yeah. All of that imprints on you. So fast forward to this relationship, you're caught kissing and leaving with this mm -hmm. woman by friends. Yeah. How does this information get relayed to your girlfriend? So I told her like, hey, um, just letting you know, you might hear some stuff. Oh, you told her. I like vaguely told her. I didn't tell her the full like, oh, I wouldn't fuck this girl who I saw oh. that kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did a show that night that my girlfriend came to. We get on the bus to head to her place and who happens to be on the bus at the same exact time <gasps> is the girl I had slept with the previous night. And I was like, no. no. Oh, Shit. the universe is like, this is your time. Yeah. Here you go. Were you like freaking out? Yeah, I'm very bad about hiding my face. <laughs> so I just like I start sweating profusely anytime something like that happens. <laughs> and so later on, a friend of mine was like, hey, if you're doing dirt, you should tell her. It, which is ironic because he was also like cheating on his girlfriend for several years. But I think, oh, you yeah. know, I have a friend now who's like, I think you want to fuck your girlfriend. And that was his way oh, <laughs> of doing it. But your influences were so bad all around. All of them. So bad. <laughs> yes. But also, you know, 
people love doling out advice that they don't take themselves. So just saying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I told her in so many words, like, hey, you know, I have been cheating. And I remember her like crying more than I've ever seen someone cry. Mm. And she says, you broke my fucking heart. And at that moment, mm. I was like, this mm. is going to be a bad situation. I was her first real relationship. She had dated before. Yeah. She had had mm. sex before, stuff like that. But I was her first like real boyfriend. And I think that that had a huge impact on her. And I remember her sister sent me a text message that said, I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. Wow. Did you feel bad? Yeah, I still feel bad. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Uh. Despite like being a fuckboy, be it accidental, be it whatever. A big thing for me is like, I never want to hurt people. I never want to upset people. And I think that, again, in the form of trying to not upset so many people, I ended up hurting, hurting people. the people I care about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what happened next? Did she just immediately dump you? Like, what? Did you try to work through it? Like, what happened? No, she broke up with me. And then she started working where I worked. She went to HR and was like, yeah, he's walking around aggressively. Like, she would do, like, shit to kind of fuck with me. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <gasps> Wait, was she working there while you were dating? Or did she get the job after? She got the job after. What? Yeah. Whoa. Wait. Yes. What? That's next level. Yeah. Like just to fuck with you. I think so. Because she told me she hated me. So it, it didn't make sense if like if you're scared of someone or if you hate someone or if you don't like someone to yeah. go work where they work. You work with them. Yeah. Like she had so they many. They were teams. coming yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, sister yeah. warned you. They're coming for you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can see it. This is like a movie. It's going to be called The Coworker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just got very kind of tumultuous and like I did stupid shit too and then we, we just were like trying to get at each other back and forth but like in subtle ways and stuff like that and I remember the, the same guy who told me like hey you should you should tell her he was like yo she's telling people you gave her chlamydia you need to debt that <gasps> yeah so that was kind of like another you know issue but then I couldn't really communicate with her because she fucking hates me yeah so I think it was a lot of like happenstance moments like I started hooking up with her neighbor after that. Oh, God. And not not even like in a vengeful <laughs> manner. It was more so I didn't know that this girl lived in the building next to hers. And my Bluetooth on my phone connected to my ex-girlfriend's speaker while I was hooking up with. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. Holy shit. So everything just looked insane. So bad. From different perspectives. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is all kind of gotten to a point that I don't like it. I don't feel safe. She doesn't feel comfortable. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and move. I'd been planning to move to LA at that point for a while. So shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how long did this go on for that you guys are working together? You're fucking her neighbor? Like, how long was this? It was a few months. This is like three months, maybe. Wow, that's painful. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And then what else? You move? Are you still in contact with her? No, no. I sent her an email 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Okay. And just generally apologized for my behavior and, you know, hurting her. And mm -hmm. it's funny because I talked to my therapist about it. I sent my therapist a podcast that my ex-girlfriend did where she was talking about the breakup from, from her end. Oh. And she said that she had gotten the email, but she never- We'll get her next. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Go down the line. From what I gathered, either she didn't read it or she just didn't care. And I was, you know. Oh, wow. Oh. Sorry, she never responded to the email or anything? No. No. Did you ever try, I mean, when she first broke up with you, did you 
beg her to stay? Did you apologize profusely? Yeah. Did you do anything to fight for the relationship? In the moment, I did, yeah. Okay. And we were actually supposed to go to Birmingham so she could meet my family that weekend. Oh. And so I remember sending her a message like, do you still want to come on this trip? Or like, what's up? Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. Hell and, no. Yeah, which, you know, in, in hindsight. That were your was... parents like, where's your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> you know what? I remember telling my mom about the breakup and telling her like, yeah, I, I fucked up. And mm-hmm. then my mom being the one to tell me, like, she's like, I've been cheated on and it doesn't feel good. It hurts. Like, I love my mom to death. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I think having the influences yeah. before yes. of so many, like, dudes and so many, like, other people in comedy or people who I saw it as mentors and this, that, the third, who were like, yeah, it's okay to cheat. You're young. You're black. You're handsome. You're doing well. Yeah. It should be expected. Mm. And then hearing my mom say, like, no, it hurts to do that. Yeah. That was the first kind of thing that, like, changed my perspective on it. Was there any side of you that was like at least a little relieved that you could continue on like fuckboy ways or were you just miserable that you lost this love of your life it was a little bit of both i was super miserable and like had a nervous breakdown at work and stuff like that and i think that was also part of the reason i was like you know it's time for me to move but my roommate at the time he was like king fuckboy mm. and he was like i remember telling him like yeah we broke up and he goes good good now we um, can like go yeah. do whatever we want and i did for a little bit but it was like i'm just like pain fucking now like this is not like fun yeah the sex it's all just sad sex yeah when i moved out here i got a therapist who helped me kind of realize a lot of like why I was doing the things I did. And then I think I was kind of misdiagnosed as a sex addict. I went to Sexaholics Anonymous for a while. <laughs> wow. So I was celibate wow. for So I didn't have sex for a year. I didn't masturbate for 222 days. I didn't drink and I didn't smoke weed. Wow. Whoa. So this was how long after all this? That would have been September, October of 2017 where I stopped having sex and stopped like doing anything. Do you remember, was there like a moment, because you described the moment with your mom describing the pain that she had, and then also your ex-girlfriend telling you that you broke her fucking heart and the moments at work, was there like a rock bottom moment for you that you can pinpoint where you were like, I need to make some changes? Yeah, there were two. Okay. The first one, so my ex wrote a blog Mm. and she published it, but it was about our breakup and about our relationship saying like how you're going to deal with a liar and this guy is going to cheat, manipulate you, but you'll get through it and you'll be better. And I think sitting in my car, so I had just left my first or second sexaholics meeting and I'm sitting in my car and I'm reading it because I think a different friend had sent it to me. I just started bawling my eyes out. Mm. And it made me, not that letter in particular, but it made me suicidal in a way. I think I was already kind of depressed, but didn't know how to like articulate being depressed and stuff like that. But I was working as an extra on this TV show and I got a call from like my my agent at the time and they were like, hey, we read the thing. We're kind of washing our hands from this. I was like, okay. And I'm in the kitchen where we're doing the shoot and there happened to be a knife. And I was like, all right, I I didn't want to feel like a bad guy and I didn't want to feel like I was a villain or someone who was hurting people or whatever. And I put the knife to my wrist and literally as I was about to do it, my mom calls me. And she's in Atlanta. She's telling me about how she's driving on, I think it's the, the 405 or the 5, whatever it is up there. And there's a, this kid who was sitting in the middle of the interstate trying to intentionally get hit by a car. Oh, my gosh. And all these different cars and people had pulled over and they had 
rushed the kid to the side of the interstate and he was like trying to like fight him off to get back in front of traffic and stuff and he was like saying how he didn't want to <sighs> he didn't want to be here and my mom's crying while telling me this story and she goes how are you doing and as soon as she said that i fucking lost it oh and just kind of told her like you know like i don't want to be here i don't this is what i'm going through i don't i don't like feeling like this and she was like you know if you're not here then there's no point for me to be here like you're my everything oh my god and mm. so i think just having that kind of moment of like not wanting to be alive and then all this happening at one time was what kind of motivated me to you know i think once you hit your lowest you can only go up so that was a big right. one and then what's the second moment the second moment i sent an email to a different girlfriend who I had cheated on before kind of another apology like i fucked up in a lot of ways and i realized how i've probably embedded a lot of mistrust into your mind and you know whatever insecurities and issues you probably have developed because of me being an asshole in our relationship and me cheating and she responded right and i, I wasn't expecting a response i didn't even think i said like you know mm. you don't have to respond i just need to just get it out of my system and say it whatever whatever and she said thank you for this i was very disappointed to hear that you had cheated on your next girlfriend but also you know i've moved on and she goes and i hate you and you have to get comfortable with knowing that i hate you wow mm. and then said like there's no more reason to contact me i'm good da da da, da. but i think for me Damn. being someone who always just wanted to be liked by everybody which again yes. was such a big catalyst for why yes. i was a fuckboy yeah and then having someone who again i did love and care about yes. say i hate you <laughs> you have to be okay with it and learn to be comfortable with it that was like oh shit okay well, then she's right. I should be okay with the fact that there are people who aren't going to like me. Some of it is on me. Some of it's not. Some of it, they're just not going to like me because they don't like me. But I have to be okay with not being liked by everybody. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey. And yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to exit interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you've cheated on multiple women, multiple relationships. So these were huge catalysts for you to make a change. You moved to LA, therapy, help for sex addiction. When did you start seeing a turning point in your behavior? I think when I turned like 30, 31. So I didn't date for a while. And like I said, I didn't have sex and any of that kind of stuff. I wasn't really trying. And then I think it was like during the pandemic, maybe like early 2020, I was on Hinge and I met this woman and we dated for nine months, but I didn't fully commit, but I wasn't like fucking around. It was like a little bit of a different thing. But when I recognized like, okay, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. I called her to see if we could meet up. She was like, no, I don't, I'd rather you just tell me on the phone. Mm. And I explained how I didn't feel like it was a relationship that had a lot of potential for growth. I guess for me, just being able to be honest with something that is hard. It's hard to tell someone, 
I don't like you in the way that I think you like me and I don't see this going anywhere. Because mm, yeah. again, I, I don't like hurting people. That for me was a big step because I had never really broken up with someone. I'd always just like figured, oh, if I cheat or if I fuck around, then that'll be the good enough excuse to why this relationship will end. So being able to just kind of tell someone the truth about why the relationship isn't going to progress, I think that was the kind of turning point for me. I'm curious to know what compelled you to email her to apologize again. Because I mean, quite selfishly, I'm still waiting for my apology email. And anybody who's ever been in this situation, they're like, they always email at some point with a heartfelt apology. So what was your reason behind it? My reason was I knew that I couldn't move on into what I want to do with life. Mm. Like I do want to get married and have a family. And I, I did want to try dating and, you know, have a strong relationship. But if if the weight and the cloud of this breakup and this person I hurt and this heartbreak is hanging over me, then I, I couldn't move on. And I know she like she's moved on with her life. She has a boyfriend now. I think she still works at the place we worked at. So wow. yeah, all things considered, she's doing well, wow. which is great for her. I couldn't move on with what I want to do in life without acknowledging and taking accountability. Even if she says, fuck you forever, I hate you, go die in a fire, mm -hmm. that's fine. If she never wants to speak to me, yeah. we probably will never speak again, which is also fine. But mm -hmm. I know for me, I couldn't be the man I want to be or hope to grow to be without saying I'm sorry and acknowledging that I fucked up in a lot of ways. So I feel like another definition, I mean, obviously, fuckboys cheat too. That's part of the definition or whatever. But another piece is like the people that never seem to enter relationships, like they always want to just be casual so they could hook up with multiple people at once. Like, do you still identify with any of that? Or like, where is your head today? Like if someone called you a fuckboy, like how much on that scale, I guess, would you agree that that's still the case? I think anybody who is pursuing sex outside of their relationship, you have to have a little bit of fuckboy in you. If you're just actively like wanting to fuck or actively like dating, because there is something to like, oh, this guy is cool. Or he has swagger or whatever. He's doing shit. That is a fuckboy tendency in of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that 1% of fuckboy still, you know, a little bit of a fuckboy. I think I'm too old now to <laughs> want to do any of that shit. Oh, but no, you're definitely not too old. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I collect action figures, so I can't. It'd be a lot for me to be the nerdy fuckboy now, but you never know. I don't know. Do you think that will like get in the way of having like a long term committed monogamous relationship? Or is that not what you want? Or like non monogamous? Like, have you thought about like other paths? Or is that the direction you want to be going? I did try a non-monogamous relationship at one point. It was fine. I liked the shared stories and that kind of deal. I think it just was me and that person didn't gel the way that we should have. I think that what they wanted from me was different from what I wanted from the relationship. Like, I think they kind of saw me as like a step up in their own life or legacy or career or whatever. I think it's possible, but I don't know if that is for me. That's my own like duality. I've always wanted a committed, loving relationship, but I also wanted to fuck or it's like, oh, this person, yeah. like, again, it's like so many of the moments were just yeah. this person, she's hot. She wants to sleep with me. All right, cool. That kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, one thing we haven't really addressed is the basis for all of your fuckboyism is because of your own trust issues to begin with, with that early relationship, the lack of ideal relationship models in your life. How have you come to deal with those trust issues? And I, I don't even think they're trust issues with other people. It's like you almost just don't trust yourself. Yeah. Therapy helped a lot 
and having a therapist who was more empathetic to both sides of it. And she listened to and read and watched anything that my ex had like said or put out or whatever, but also is, you know, listening to me. And I think that for me, it was like, I hadn't had anyone just hear me and feel me and tell me that like, hey, this is where this is mm. rooted from. Mm. And it's okay to be guarded and it's okay to be scared yeah. and to be hurt. Like I think especially as a black man, we're told to always be like, be strong, be masculine, nothing can hurt you, that kind of deal. And I let so much shit bounce off of yeah. me. I remember even my mom telling me like, when your dad died, you didn't really take time to grieve. You just went back to work. And I think a lot of it was taking moments to be okay with feeling. I was on Zoloft for several years. I was on 100 milligrams of Zoloft. And in December, I tried to wean myself off of it a little bit because I was like, I kind of want to feel sad. I want to feel angry. I should be able to feel that way. Mm, and yeah. you know, now I, I cry mm. at like every movie, but it's- um, <laughs> You're just like Julie. You're a softie now. Yeah. Uh, I, but like movies, I cried during Strays, so- I think a lot of it is just allowing myself to feel. That's a big one. I think that's a really big one. And I think this conversation just uncovers so much about the layers of yeah. humanity. You can be a fuckboy, but it stems from so much. It's not just like right. someone's born and they decide they want to be a fuckboy. And let's not forget some of the societal conditioning too. I was listening to this podcast about how we treat little boys. You know, if all the aunties come over around the holidays and they surround the little boys and they go, you're so cute. You're going to have so many girlfriends. How many girlfriends you have? That's how we speak to our little boys. How are they going to grow up to think you are supposed to be loyal or you're supposed to like, right. you know, devote yourself to one woman when your whole life you've been told if you're cute, you should have multiple girlfriends and you should be breaking hearts. Oh, you're a little heartbreaker, aren't you? Yeah, it's so bad. So it's just like, it's not one-sided. Fuck boys aren't one-sided. Nothing is one-sided. Yeah. I'm saying this as someone that hasn't been in it. So correct me if you did not feel this way. But like, did you feel like any shame that came from it? Like, how has that like come into your life and affected dating now? Oh, a, a ton of shame. I think I tend to wear shame on my forehead when I feel it. I think there was a period in time where I almost made like, well, if I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad guy and made that kind of my persona right after our breakup. And then I think soon after that, it was like, mm. oh, I'm sad. Every quote about a villain is like, the villain is just the hero whose story isn't told or the villain is this at the third. But like recognizing like, oh, dude, yeah, like mm -hmm. this wasn't a thing of like, I want to be hurtful or I want to, you know, fuck around or whatever. It was like, oh, I'm just a sad, insecure dude who didn't deal with XYZ trauma from the past or like this grief or that shame. And now I'm like having to feel it because I'm alone. And I think that was a, a big part of it too, is I was jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship while doing these like fuckboy things in between instead of like kind of just sitting in the moment. Yeah. And once I did have to sit in that moment, of like the shame and the grief and the like the feeling of like nobody likes you everybody hates you you should hate yourself you know it took a lot to get out of that pit of shame it's so easy to distract yourself too with like you know hooking up or substances or just going out all the time like i really do think like that sitting with yourself alone time that's when things really do shift but a lot of us don't ever want to sit there because it's scary. Yeah. And then feeling the feelings too. I think that's a major part of it because feelings sometimes don't feel great. But like you said, we have to process them. I really want to know though, when you date now, do you tell women your track record? 
how upfront are you? Yeah. It depends on how deep the relationship gets. So like if it's someone I think I might be involved with, I usually try to tell them. A lot of the people I end up dating, I end up becoming friends with and they'll kind of tell me their own dating woes and I'll express like, hey, this is something that I went through and this is a person who I was. I try to be honest with friends and also like be honest with their guys who now come to me for advice about like relationships and about dating and like, hey, this is happening to me. What should I do? Be honest. I think that that's the big thing. We're afraid to be honest because we're afraid to hurt someone else or afraid to hurt ourselves with the truth. So we started this episode asking, can you change a fuckboy or can fuckboys <laughs> be changed? Do you think you've changed? I think so. Yeah. When you see someone you love crying and then when you see yeah. the person in my eyes, in my life, my mom telling me the hurt that she felt in a similar situation, unless you're an absolute monster, you don't want to do that. I would hope that anyone who is the young guys who are listening to like Andrew Tate or Sneeko or like, I'm an alpha male, that kind of deal. None of that shit's real. The internet's not real. The idea of being the alpha and having to make women abide to you and you have to fuck everybody, that's not real and it does nothing. Right. Like, okay, I could imagine like if being a little, I guess, scared to pursue something with someone that maybe revealed a track record of cheating. Mm -hmm. How do you spin your story or share your story in a way that shows growth and change that assures someone that like you're a changed man? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't really try to put a spin on it. I just try to tell what happened and tell my perspective and tell my side. And I've seen like old dude fuckboys and it's it's sad. Like, yeah, I don't want to have to wear like a track suit at 60 and a pinky ring <laughs> or, you know, be that guy who's like, yeah, look at, <laughs> look at this bitch. And you're like, I don't want to like it's it's weird. It's always weird to see like a dude in his 50s <sighs> who's like still bragging about plenty of those. still. Yeah. Yeah. I want the kind of family structure. I want the things that I wasn't able to be afforded as a kid of like a two-parent household. The divorce rate is like insane. So I'm also like, yo, if I get divorced, if something happens or whatever, then I take it on the chin. I remember talking to a friend recently who was like, I'll never cheat. And I was like, don't say that. Because if you do, then you can't. Yeah. Years ago, when I hadn't had a relationship, when I wasn't dating, it's very easy to say what you won't do in situations where you're not granted those moments or opportunities. So correct, you know, really think about your future and what you want out of your relationships and what you want out of yourself and who you want to be. What advice would you give to anybody who may be dating a former accidental fuckboy and maybe have trust issues themselves? <laughs> Speaking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Communicate with them. Ask them questions. If they're really trying to change, if they're really trying to grow, then so much of that is about being honest. But yeah, I think asking them questions and being like, hey, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm just curious and just unload. And then I guess finally, like, what advice would you have for any recovering fuckboys that want to go on a better path and find true love? Wow. The advice there would be recognize what your prior behaviors might have done to people, how it might have affected them, how it might have hurt them, or made them not trust you or trust men or women or whatever. Anybody could be a fuckboy. I think that's one thing we forget. Any, yep. Yeah, anyone. Yes, it's universal. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Fuck person is what we should call it. <laughs> fuck, fuck, yes. fuck people. Fuck human. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just a fucker. Okay? Yeah. Just a fucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that's not who you want to be, then that's what you need to grow from. And what 
but you need to adapt and change. Hold yourself to the fires. If there's shit you didn't do, then don't apologize for what you didn't do or what you don't feel was constructed around you. But if there's shit you know you did, allow yourself to be apologetic or allow yourself to be willing to listen and change and grow. Because I think that's what life's supposed to be about. You're supposed to make mistakes. Like no one comes into this perfect. So make mistakes and fail upwards. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from this whole conversation is this label of fuckboy. Like, I don't like it in some ways because it makes it feel like you're almost like defined by this now. And the reality is like people can change. I really believe people can change. They have to want to change, but they can change. You can't change someone else, but if they want to change from their own side internally, then I don't believe that someone is who they were maybe 10 years ago. So I commend you for, you know, taking the different steps to understand what it is you actually want and realize where a lot of this came from. And I think the other like big takeaway I had is just like how deep seated this is of how like the earliest childhood memories and influences in your life, whether that's roommates or friends or whoever you surround yourself with, it really does impact how you view relationships and this is goes beyond like fuck boys or whoever but we've seen like so many people stand for unhealthy relationships because that's what they saw growing up like that's what their definition was that's what they saw like i know for me even there were years that i tolerated certain behavior because i'm like that's what a relationship is so it's really a lot of this is about unlearning and realizing like we don't have to do it this way that we've been told or shown to us like we get to decide how we're gonna do it so complicated there's so many layers to all this like you said the villain is not always a villain and i think a fuck boy is a definition of hurt people hurt people because yeah that's why fuck boys do the things they do because they've been hurt and i'm in this era of forgiveness I had a lot of hate for my ex and now I feel really sorry for him. And even hearing your story, Martin, I feel really sorry for the childhood Martin and the sad, the scared, the hurt, the angry Martin, like all those facets of who you are brought you to do the things that you didn't want to do, but you did because you didn't want to hurt people. That's the crazy shit is like you did all this because (laughs) you wanted to be liked and you didn't want to hurt anybody. And in turn, you hurt everybody, including yourself. And also the other theme I'm hearing from you is like a lot of this is because you didn't know what you want. A lot of this was driven by other people's actions. Even you saying I was an accidental fuck boy. You didn't intentionally choose to be a fuck boy. The relationships you fell into that woman telling her she was in love with you and you're like, I guess we're in love now. (laughs) And you not actively pursuing these sexual pursuits. It was more that they fell in your lap or these opportunities presented itself is because you didn't know what you wanted. And so you just got pulled in all these different directions thinking it would bring you happiness. And at the end of the day, you realized it didn't. And I'm glad to hear that you still believe in love and you still believe in family and marriage because that's why you started dating in the first place. You were looking for love. And I do believe that you will get that one day. And maybe you're still paying for your fuckboy ways currently, because karma's a bitch. (laughs) But I think when you put in the work and want to transform and change for the better, that's the only accountability you can take is your want to change. And I definitely hear that in your voice and in your actions. So thank you for sharing your transformation with us. It's not easy. It certainly is not easy for anyone. And I think the hardest part is recognizing the bad behavior that you did and the people that you hurt. But we always have a choice and 
when you know that you have a choice, you can choose the better version of yourself always, right? Right. So to wrap up our conversation, any last words you have for our audience who may be feeling hopeless in love or dating? Yeah, just try. Love yourself. Love yourself, number one. Yeah. I had to take ayahuasca like two months ago to even figure this out. So Mm. if you don't love yourself, you can't show anyone else the type of love you want to give them. It doesn't matter how many people you fuck or how many tears you cry or how many poems you write or how many letters you do or how much money you have. Like I've seen guys with hella money and beautiful women and they're like, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. You got to love yourself first before you can really pursue what you want out of life. Sure. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being so vulnerable vulnerable here and getting deep with us with this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is a really great conversation. If people want to find out more about your comedy, because <laughs> this is a good transition for That's that. That's how you turn Where this can they stuff find into comedy. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on uh, Instagram or TikTok at Martin M. Morrow, spelled like tomorrow. I post little relationship anecdotes every now and then and, and all my show info is there too. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you. And for all of our listeners, if you learned a thing or two from this episode, why don't you put it in our rating and reviews? Give us five stars and the body <laughs> of your review. You can say, this is what I learned from Martin, or this is what I learned about being a reformed fuckboy, or this is me going through my own personal change from a reformed fuckboy. Whatever you want to share with us, it's best written in a review form. Or just write you know fucker. Just leave it at that. <laughs> just <laughs> for all the five stars. No explanation. <laughs> Maybe not, but sure. <laughs> so yes, we really appreciate that. And you can always send in any requests for future topics or guests by emailing us at hello at datablepodcast.com. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks again, Martin, for being on Dateable. Stay Dateable! The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.